0: It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics.
1: Welcome to episode 495 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, it's another great Kickstarter doubleheader. And it all kicks off with Michael K. Easton from SoPro Comics for Kid number one. And it's described this way. Can Ronald P. Tramp, Hakim's coffee-loving customer, help him discover his powers in time to stop the reptilians? We talk about how the book came to be, about his love of insecta things, and what we can expect from him in the near future. You can find him on Kickstarter under Insecta Kid. That's all one word, number one. Then everything wraps up with my fun discussion with John Durgan and Joel Van Patten from Livid Comics. Their book right now going on is called Yule, and that's spelled J-O with double dots above it and L, but it's pronounced Yule. And appropriately enough, it's a fantasy thriller comic about the holidays, about Christmas. Their campaign ends on Wednesday, July 21st at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It's described this way. What if the most wonderful time of the year lasted an eternity? As a child, did you ever wish you could go to the North Pole and meet Santa and see his workshop? Eight-year-old Will Sheldon is about to have that wish come true. Kind of. We talk about how the book came to be, about the holidays and horror in the holidays, as well as what the future holds for livid comics. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what they have to say. There's a lot to get to in this episode. So let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Michael K. Easton from Insecta Kid, which is right now going on on Kickstarter. And I get a kick, Michael. Your description on the, the the project is says Michael K. Easton is known as the illustrious one, and he's the chief creative officer of SoPro Comics. His talents can be felt across many titles within the SoPro Comics line. You're the artist on Heroic 9.0, the artist-writer on The Impossible Family, and artist-writer on Kid, which we're talking about. On the off chance he isn't working on comics, he's either designing graphics or spending time with his family, which probably isn't much when you consider all that other good stuff. So how are you doing, Michael?
0: I'm doing really well.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I try to
0: squeeze as much as I can out of the uh, <laughs> hours that I'm awake.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's the I can relate to that. I I understand that really well because I I I do this podcast. I have another podcast that I do. I I do a video review thing that I do twice a month. Then I've got other things that I do for people. Everybody's always got something for me to do, so I I never have to worry about being bored with those things. So, Insecta Kid, uh, I was looking at the video on the the Kickstarter page, and you had a little thing that says putting the fun back in the funny books. Which of course I liked, and I, I got a chance to read. You gave made Insecta Kid number one available to me, which I read and enjoyed. And I'm just kind of I, putting the fun back in funny books because you know there's some f- fans of comics that if you say that will get mightily unhappy.
0: You're correct. Uh, it's actually um, my cohort in crime, uh, Jordan Lowe. He's a writer on a few books. Uh, he's actually the letter of Insecta Kid one. Or Insecta Kid, he actually came up with that tagline because uh, when we first started out creating comics together, we got really super serious about it and weren't having fun. Mm. So that was kind of even the tagline of "So Pro Comics" is kind of a joke in itself. Of we're joking around, we're having fun. Oh, look at us! We're so pro. So that also goes in tagline of putting the fun back in the funny books of comics should be fun. They should be entertainment. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't take ourselves so serious in, in what we're doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. So we should make sure that, first of all, we're having fun because if we're not having fun, why are we doing it?
1: hmm Believe me, I enjoy that thing. I think that uh, having fun and adventure and buckle that swash and all that good stuff to me is is very important in comics. But I'm always reminded of Star Trek The Next Generation when they decided, they sent this edict down, no comedy, no fun. This is serious science fiction. We don't do that. And I'm always kind of like, I think Next Generation – Suffered as a result of that. Even, you know, Classic Trek had lots of comedic episodes that were lots of fun. So I don't, I don't understand why they did that, but that's yeah, that.
0: I I actually agree with that. Cause with the first generation or the next generation, it did kind of come off slightly dry. Like, I mean, I'm still a fan of it, but I completely understand what you're saying about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, slightly. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I try to be nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would say more than that, but that's, that's that's just me. Okay. Let me, let me read a little bit about the Insecta Kid. It says, our lead character, Hakeem Hudson, thought he was just an ordinary human living in a boring little town in Ohio. Aren't they all working at a coffee house? He has seen a delightful assortment of customers and characters, but one fateful night proves that he has no clue what he is or what the, what in the insta heck is going on. I think that's kind of fun. And then you now you are the writer and the artist of this book, right? That's correct. Wow, that's really good. And I you said that your your cohort is the letterer?
0: Yeah, Jordan Low, uh he, him and I are, are like co-partners in the Super so Comics. Uh he has a, another book that we work on. It's called Bluff Creek
1: about Bigfoot, so we're just kind of all over the place. Mhm. Cool, I have to say it interests me because you're located in a state where I don't know many comics. Oh, really? Organizations, yeah. I and but I have to say that I I moved to Florida and I discovered all these comic companies down here in Florida, which surprised me. You know, are, are there a lot of comic companies up at where you are? Yeah, it's
0: it's it's kind of weird because. That was the same thing. Like when we first started out, we thought we were the only ones. And then we mm-hmm. started looking deeper and there's quite a few artists in this area. Like uh, we're kind of in the Merida, Ohio area, and there is a lot of artists that are, it might not necessarily be uh comic related, but there's a nice crowd of artists that are working on something or another.
1: Well, oh, that's cool. Cause I've been to Ohio and seen space, the space convention. Mm-hmm. I forget what that stands for, but, uh, I, I was surprised when I went to there, how many things were up there. I mean, you've got like, uh, uh, gosh, I can't even remember the names of them all. Ted, uh, Ted, who has that, all of his good books, Opama. All his books, what's Ted's last name? I, I'm going to kick myself for not remembering. He's got a Kickstarter going on right now himself. I suppose I shouldn't be giving him credit. We should be talking about your stuff. But I'm That's
0: in, okay. The more the merrier, I always say.
1: <laughs> I'm interested that, uh, you know, there are these, all these comic people. There seems to be clusters around. You know, I, I talked with somebody from New England. They said they struggled to find other people interested in making comics. I kind of figure that's because they're up near Boston and New York, and they probably figure any comic book creators probably go there to get things done. But uh, like Florida down here, there's bunches of companies. I I was surprised how many there were. And, you know, of course, California, there's a lot. And I think there's Texas has a bunch. I I was to a con in Texas and was surprised how many were there. So I I, I
0: would uh, say to date in this area, our most famous artist is probably James Patrick of Kaiju score. Um, and he's written for DC. I think he's done some DC work here and there, mm-hmm. but right now I think um, is it aftershock it's coming out of that. Uh, it seems to be getting a lot of hype.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That's great. Now I, I find it interesting that Hakeem, the the main character, he works at a place called and lizard coffee. Yes.
0: Um, <laughs> I, it's weird because I've never worked in a coffee house, but my wife and I love coffee a little too much. <laughs> and like, even we have like a uh, different sense in our house that are coffee related. Um, and I just always, I was trying to come up with a place for the character to exist in. And that it just kind of kept navigating to this coffee house. that It just
1: seemed like it was the
0: right fit for that type of area.
1: Well, I also get a kick. It says that you have a love of crazy conspiracy theories and superheroes.
0: That is absolutely correct. I am kind of, it, unfortunately there's a little too many um, political type conspiracy theories that I'm not into. I'm into more of the old school conspiracy theories like hidden earth, mm. of course, uh, reptilians that may, that may appear in this book. Um, all those kind of sci-fi that, there's always seems to be a shred of truth related to it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the way they do things. They make it just enough so that you can say, well, that's true. I guess everything else must be true. That's what they, they do. Now, I've got to read something because I have a question about the, this description. It says, can Ronald P. Tramp, Hakeem's coffee-loving customer, help him discover his powers in time to stop the reptilians? Ronald P. Tramp. Uh, that wouldn't be an allusion to some former president, would it?
0: It actually possibly started out on another podcast as a slight dig towards the, that person, the former president. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> and, and then he kind of morphed on into a whole new character. Of uh, it, it actually was kind of a joke. We were having a podcast, um, uh my brother-in-law that's on it he was going out of town to like a gaming convention and so we were just jerking around i was like oh i can do this character and then the next thing you know we had like 45 minutes of uh me and ronald talking back and forth like we were two separate people
1: Okay. Now, before we get too much farther, I always get yelled at because I don't do the, the Kickstarter information soon enough for some people. So, uh Kid number one is the name of the, the project. Uh, if you get the, the goal, the, your goal, to this, is is $2,800. And you have to get the goal by Monday, July 19 at 7:33 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And you're, you're about, you're pretty far along as far as that goes, but there's still, we still need some more backers for this to, to, to get together. So if you haven't gone, look for Insecticid, and that's all one word, number one. Look for that and be able to, you know, you can join there and be a backer. You've got 30 plus backers while we're talking, so that's a good place to be. And is this your first Kickstarter? Uh, this is actually my second one. We did
0: one for The Impossible Family Number 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I never do anything the correct way. So our, fir- our first Kickstarter was actually an issue two. Mm. Um, I would say I, I cut my teeth and learned a lot mm-hmm. of what to do and what not to do with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so first of all, we made sure this book was completely done and ready to go to press before we even looked at Kickstarter.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. Well, let's see that. That's a great thing because I know I, I could sit here and and list off all the Kickstarters that I backed. That I have never seen a single page from. So I, I'm glad that you're doing that because that that's real important for Kickstarters because Kickstarter won't let you do another uh, project until you uh, fulfill the one that you, you're doing at the moment. So
0: yeah, yeah. That's something we learned on the first one. I thought I would be able to turn everything around quickly enough. And then actually, uh, I believe the rewards were like maybe six months further than what I had originally expected, but I did make sure to like keep everyone involved like let them know what was going on and made sure everyone did get the rewards. So, and again, that's why like I went back, like I got, everything lined up up for this one. We've got proofs of everything that we're
1: doing. So, Mm -hmm. so we're just waiting for the deadline to push send. (laughs) That's right. When that comes. And of course, you know, with Kickstarter, if there's any delay, somebody, let's say they, they use a certain credit card and then they forget and they, they, they charge too much on their credit card and it's not available. There's still some time like a two weeks. I think it is after the, Thing, um, it's
0: uh, actually, it's six days,
1: six days. Okay. So uh, I, I have never run a Kickstarter. I've been involved with Kickstarters, but I've never run one. So well, that's good to know. Cause that, that's real important. So uh, any of your backers right now, they want to make sure that your, their card is charged appropriately to make sure. Yeah, that and
0: they get and I've run into that myself cause I've backed quite a few different Kickstarters. Um, I'm yeah. more into like the superhero genre. So I kind of yeah. stick to that flavor, but I've had a bad habit of not realizing what credit card I might have on file, and but it, it like like you said, it alerts you and lets you switch it over, and, and you know six days six days is plenty of time to get it corrected.
1: Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually another payday will come around in there yeah. somewhere, so that'll help you do it. So now I got to ask you because uh, Hakeem Hudson doesn't he has the same name as the town, right?
0: Yes, that's an interesting thing. Um, He he unfortunately had some issues where he grew up and his parents kind of sent him off to this little town. And it just happens to be one of those strange coincidences where his last name is the same name as the town. Mm. Now, that might be something we have to touch about later down in in another issue without giving too much away.
1: Okay, well, that'd be good to know. I, see, I like little clues like that. I like something that uh, we come back later, you know, the foreshadowing, as they like to call it. I like those things. Now, let me read it. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit. Of the, you can see if you go to, to the, the, the project on Kickstarter, you see the, the first several pages on there. And you notice that some of this guy's customers act a little differently. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you kind of get like uh, it, it's funny. Anyone that l- works in like a retail or any type of restaurant, they always have those wide variety of characters, and some of them just always seem slightly off kilter. Where you're, you're just kind of wondering what is that person's backstory. <laughs> and so we we touch base on the characters that he has to deal with uh, every day, and some of them might just not be human.
1: Yeah. It was, well, let me read the paragraph. There's another paragraph on here. I think they'll clear a couple things up. It says the reptilians are here, whether he likes it or not. They could be his neighbor, his boss, or even his loved one. They are on a mission to make the human race extinct by any means necessary. By day, Hakeem Hudson is a 17-year-old barista for leap and lizard coffee, as we mentioned. But after tonight, he doesn't know what he is, man, creature, hero, or something brand new. So that's a good description for it. And I like the pages too. I am glad you put the pages in there and uh, there's a character model sheet for insect, the kid as well I like that. So really good yeah, stuff. Was really I like fun,
0: it. fun creating the character on the, the color scheme. Cause my wife is actually the colors for the book, hmm. which that was, that's always been a lifelong dream of mine of like, Oh, it'd be so great to like, you know, have your significant other working on comics with you. So, um, and it was, it's kind of funny because I just kind of sat her down and said, Hey, how about you try coloring this? And next thing you know, it just kind of took off. But, uh, on a funny note, we were looking for color schemes for Kid, mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something, uh, unique and original. And because I was doing all this research on insects and a lot of people don't realize how colorful insects are. Um, unfortunately I've learned way too much information about insects, but oddly <laughs> enough, the color scheme we picked was from the football team, the Miami dolphins of all.
1: Speaking of insects, <laughs> 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 that's funny. I, and I, I looked at the color scheme. I remember thinking, gee, that just gets the dolphins. I wonder why they, they picked that color. So that's, well, that's interesting. Cause you know, I, I used to do a newsletter where I changed the color scheme from month to month and I used to save uh examples of color schemes so i could do that and you know i would see ads and i'd see like an, a, a certain blue and a certain yellow would go well together and i'd say okay i'll do that next month so i i do that all the time so i'm always interested in color schemes so I, that's cool that's where that came from that's neat i like that so that's good now you designed the costume yes okay all right i i have to ask you because hakeem is uh shall we say a diverse character Yes, and I'm interested in that because in, in Ohio, I'm not sure. It's small town Ohio, of course. I don't live there, so I really can't answer that. But I'm curious: are there in small town Ohio are there a lot of uh, is there a lot of diversity in those towns?
0: Um, I I can't say that there's a huge amount. I would say there is a fair amount. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, the, this character Hakeem, um, I based on an intern that I had named Corbin, um, and it's he's just he's this kid that i've known i've watched him grow up Mm -hmm. he's always come around like picking up comics that i've created and now that he's an adult and i've seen him like grow up i was like you know i just like i just had to create this character based off of him
1: Mm. so i always ask that of of artists where did the character's appearance come from because I think that's important. Some people drop from real life. Some people don't. Some people, it's completely their imagination. I talk, I always tell about the fact that David Peterson from Mouse Guard, I went and asked him, where did you get the characters from in the Mouse Guard? I thought it was like King Arthur's Round Table or something. And it turns out they, they were his friends. He wanted characters he could write and, and, and come up with. And he knew his friends best. So he said, I just made them into the Mouse characters.
0: Oh, and that's what they always say, like, write what you know. So everything that I've ever, no matter how crazy it might sound, there's a shred of truth in everything that I've created. Um, I've used it. I've used comics to work through personal problems, um, through mental health issues, um, while having fun. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: I've always kind of like... It's funny that uh, talking about who you base characters on is The <laughs> the Impossible Family, another book that I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually based on my wife and her extended family. And then I, I kind of found that there's not... Since people know that they're based on characters, like they don't necessarily... You can't do a whole lot with them. Mm. Um, so I kind of pigeonholed myself into that where I was like, let's... Let's try something new <laughs> where where I can actually do different things with characters and no mm. one gets mad. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. See, now I have to tell you, I have a friend of mine who wrote a friend of his into a comic book. And he didn't tell him, but he died at the end of the, the issue. And, of course, he gives the book to the guy and he's reading and he says, hey, wait a second. You killed me. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: He goes <laughs> –
0: I was like, I, I I don't need a relative coming to me and going, <laughs> Why did you kill me off in this issue? And what does this mean?
1: <laughs> you don't like me very much, do you? Kind of a uh, response. That's like, that's, no,
0: they're just they're their characters based off you. This isn't that's you. Right.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, this guy was so mad that he got killed. <laughs> yeah.
0: But no, that's like with Hakeem, like um, you know, the 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 character that or the person that I based came off of he's a really good kid well i mean he's an adult but to me he's always a kid Mm -hmm. um and i just like i was like i I like his positive outlook on things and i was like Mm -hmm. in this character i just i just wanted to do something unique and uh with insecticid i i can't think of anything more unique than this character that has insect powers
2: Mm mm-hmm
1: very good. Now I I have before we get too much far in other things, I've got to ask you something. The video that you did, I, we talked about Ronald P. Tramp. And the in part of the video, I think that's you portraying Ronald P. Tramp there. I, I, I found that interesting. Uh
0: what, is, would is, you it, like to would you <laughs> like to meet Ronald P. Tramp? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well man i i I really appreciate you man uh wayne uh, mr wayne i'm really uh i'm glad michael could bring me on here uh to to, to say hello to you man i'm uh yeah I, i was the one that was in the beginning of that video man you know you know what i'm saying
1: yeah you're the coffee guy
0: yeah, yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's funny, like, because, uh, man, I, I, I tell Michael these stories uh, about my adventures, man, and he just, like, puts them down in his book like it's real or something, man. But it's it's crazy. I got to tell you, man, the, the, the reptilians are out there, and, and they're trying to take over the world.
1: So you don't mind being in a comic book?
0: No, man. Whatever I can do, man, to help my my best friend Michael out, man, uh, you know, we got to get the word out about these aliens. I mean, you you just don't know who they are.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think that's enough of you, sir. appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Ronald's uh, good in small doses.
1: (laughs) Oh, No, I have well, got to ask a couple things though cuz we talked talked about people, you know. There there are a couple of there's a 5:30 woman that comes in and there's a a bro jock dude comes in at 11:30. Are are those based on real people too?
0: Those are just kind of more archetypes
1: like I not necess- well,
0: uh the 5:30 a.m. lady, uh she's actually based off of just a uh a character that my wife watches on a show or something. I just was like, Oh yeah. I was like, and they're just more kind of like, they're not really based off of, of certain people, just certain mm. types of
1: people, I guess. Right. Cause you don't want people mad at you. you
0: do that. Exactly. <laughs> yes,
1: they okay. So the, the first issue now you basically got that in the can, as you were saying, how many issues are you going to have in the first story? I'm sorry. How many issues in the first story? Are, is it's not one issue, right? It doesn't conclude in the first issue. Oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely not. We are. Uh, <laughs> I have a lofty goal here. I want to do a hundred issues of this book. Wow, we, like that, and I'm one of those type of people that like sets the bar very high. I mm. might not come anywhere close, but that's the bar that I'm going to set it at. As of right now, we have. I am drawing issue four. Um, issue two, just finished getting colored. Uh, so we are quite a bit ahead. My, again, lofty goal is to produce these books on a quarterly schedule. So the, so you're yeah. not waiting a year for the next issue to come out.
1: Okay. That, that's cool. Now, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll have a very successful campaign. Maybe even give you a little money towards the second issue. Would be nice to see that that's always a great way to, to run a campaign when those, though it turns out that way. So, l- once again, let me say when this is going to uh, conclude because I think it's real important. Uh, the money has to be reached, the goal of $2,800 has to be reached by Monday, July 19 at 7:33 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Now, when this posts, you're only going to have about a day left. To do it, so you've got to get on there right away and support Insecticid to make sure that it happens, and uh, all all kinds of good backers and stuff uh, get in there. Speaking of Insecticid, do we? Do you have an idea what his powers are? Yes, actually,
0: uh, in looking, um, doing all this research for him uh, for different insects. uh, Give me a second because I got to pull it up.
1: Okay. In just a minute, we'll talk about the different levels that I got a kick out of because I supported, I picked the Insta Egg level of because I I don't have enough space to buy all the the paper copies anymore, so I get digital. I got more room on my hard drive than I do on my on my on my shelf, so that's why I, I go ahead and support that. That's always good stuff.
0: Okay, uh, yeah, I've I've actually been uh, picking up a lot of digital comics because I, I just love seeing what people are doing with, with different issues and properties. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like uh, it's really easy to run out of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but based on Hakeem Hudson, AKA the insecticid, kid, uh, his powers, he has the strength of a leaf cutter ant that is able to lift 50 times its own body weight. Mm. He has the exoskeleton of an ironclad beetle. It's the hardest shell. Uh, he has the hunter abilities of a dragonfly. Uh, wings that are like super hunter skills um, and dragonflies are known to get their prey 95% of the time. He hmm. has firepower of a bombardier beetle. Hmm. What's really interesting about this one is that it has a fire boiling spray that it shoots out of its, um, let's say rear end at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And I always kind of laughed about uh, how we talk like, say Spider-Man and the use of webbing. So uh, where it would realistically come from. So in issue two, we have a very funny scene of how Insectic Kid comes across this particular power. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also has, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's called, they're called aphids, aphids, A-P-H-I-D-S.
1: Yeah. Aphids. I think
0: they absorb solar radiation for power
1: Mm-hmm. and then last
0: but not least the jumping comes from fleas they can jump 150 times
1: its own body weight hmm. so are you going to explain how he gets these powers
0: yeah there's there's going to be he he's not going to understand what he's actually capable and we're going to be you know discovering them just as he does along the way he he's actually Introduced to uh, someone in issue one that's going to kind of tell him a little bit about himself and and who he is Mm -hmm. and she she is trying to teach him and being a 17 year old, he thinks he knows what he's talking about and he doesn't (laughs) need anyone's help.
1: Okay. That's typical. Yep. Yep. I've I've known some seventeen year olds. Yep. That sounds good. So that'll be of course he has to uh, learn along the way, which is probably gonna be a slow process. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh wow, a hundred issues. Wow, that'll be fun to see. Of course that means you've got a whole rogues gallery set up for him to to take on, right?
0: Oh yeah, that's what uh it's I've it's weird like I've gone down so many rabbit holes with some, some of these conspiracy theories and with the, the reptilians we're going to learn a lot about the reptilian race and what they're doing and there's actually uh, different factions that, that are going to be introduced that uh, aren't necessarily reptilian but they're similar in, in, in
1: fashion Oh, wow, okay. I, I like, because this reminds me a little bit of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. They had layers to these different societies and stuff like that, which I always like. I, I like that when you have to, there's a little bit of politics involved with that. And it sounds like that's going to be here. So is uh, uh, not to give away anything, but I, I, I don't want to say he's always going to be fighting the reptilians, but uh, that they're going to be uh, foes for Insecticid for quite some time then
0: absolutely and see sometimes i don't know what to give away what not to yeah, give away yeah. Yeah, <laughs> i will just
1: hint, i would say tease us don't don't spoil it
0: well let's just say his cre his creator or the people behind him might not have altruistic motives either so he hmm. he might be caught in between a war that he knows nothing about.
1: Mm, cool. Okay, that'll be good. Of course, that's a learning process too. He's got to go and figure out what it is he's up against. So that'll be kind of fun. That, that's. I like stories that sort of build over time, that you don't show all your cards right away. I, I talked with James Tyne in the fourth. And he was doing a year long Batman book, and he revealed who the big bad was at week 26. And some people fussed with him about that. And he was like, Well, I'm not going to reveal him on the first week. Of course, I got to, you know, you got to do some hiding and you got to do some revealing and stuff. You don't want to show everything right off the bat because then there's no mystery involved. And I think that's what you're doing right here. You're, you're developing a little bit of the mystery.
0: And that's something I've run into, like the, because I have the first six issues. Plotted out pretty tightly and, uh, and there's little faint little nuggets that like i'm trying to let the reader know and so i kind of battle against that too is like well should i let them know this is happening or who this person is or should i save this for this issue of uh, trying to you know keep
1: the story going along and, and keeping ed- everyone entertained at the same time well, that's you know uh, that's <laughs> that's going to be something you're going to have to decide. I have a feeling you're gonna you'll know best when to to show a card for effect. Is there? Do you run like your scripts and stuff past? You said your wife helps you on it. Might you show her some stuff and get her reaction?
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of it's almost like a, a three person operation. Um, between my wife Christy and my uh, buddy Jordan Lowe, is I usually plot out the book in my mind of where I want to go, and I start piecing it together. And then actually, I don't write the script till I've drawn the whole book. Like I hmm. might draw a few pages and then go back because my wife gets a little mad that she's like, I'm drawing or I'm coloring this and I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> could you, could you fill me in? <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are times where I'll go back and like write some stuff out and say, okay. So, but then usually I'll sit down and write the script completely out from beginning mm-hmm. to end, sit on it for a week, go back, make some changes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have, I'll send it off to my wife for her to look over to edit. Uh, mm-hmm and change anything that she thinks. And then it goes on to Jordan Lowe and he's like the final editor. And he's the one that'll like when lettering say, okay, well, you have too many words. This is no way this is going to fit. This is how we're going to do this. And uh, I am amazed and, and I'm so lucky to have these people that believe in this property so much.
1: Great, because I'm an editor for an indie comic as well, and uh, my roommate is the one that did it. And what he does is he'll—he doesn't write the whole script. He writes a page at a time, and then he gives it to me, and I go through and edit. Uh, you know, I get the words right. So he, he'll tell me was was that funny? Was that really really funny? And there was one time I said, I don't think that was funny enough. went back and rewrote it, so it was much funnier and stuff so it's good to have somebody you can bounce things off of so you can get reaction to, to before you actually put it out and then everybody goes well we didn't get that if you can you know if you got your wife and your friend to help that is a massive step forward i really have to say so that's great
0: and then i also have uh another artist michael tyler that um i've known for wow Possibly 15 to 20 years, mm-hmm. but we have never actually met in person. He is out <laughs> in Indiana, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we have bounced over the years back and forth uh, working on stuff. And mm-hmm. we've connected in the last year or so. And he is just all in. He's actually doing the variant cover for Insecta Kid. Uh, one of the awards we did was... It's limited to 100 copies, and it is uh, a homage to uh, Tom McFarlane's Spider-Man number one that Hmm. we know sold a million copies easily.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, you could do worse than to, to copy the best.
0: Yeah, correct.
1: Yeah, that's very good, very good. Because it's funny you say that about not being in the same room. You're, you're more likely to be together than the people on the comic that I work on. The the, the Chris I live in Florida, and of course the the creator does too. And the the artist lives on the top of a mountain, in North Carolina. At least he used to. Anyway, I don't think he's there anymore. But then the the colorist lives in the Philippines. And we're kind of like you know someday we're going to try to get everybody together in one room and just so we can see each other because everybody's talking via the internet, which is a great thing. It's just like like what you're doing, although if he, that person's in Indiana, that that's closer than the Philippines. So I think you
0: J- just you might- slightly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you might be able to do that's great I, i'm glad you got it because that makes such a big difference when you can get feedback you know it's somebody that understands it too now i thought we would talk real briefly about uh, the different levels I, I i love that it's insecta every seems like just about every level has insecta something uh it? yeah i'm one thing that you'll quickly learn about me is i'm
0: very cheesy and i love <laughs> che- like i love anything that's cheesy uh mm-hmm. Just like we might have one or two cheesy coffee puns, in the insecticid one also. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I based the reward levels off of the evolution of an insect I was researching. So um, <laughs> there's an the insect the egg, and then mm-hmm. uh, the different stages of mm-hmm. the insect are
1: actually the reward tiers: larva, pupa. <laughs> there's a hive. Yeah. We we can't forget about the hive minds. That's right. (laughs) Now, the one thing you don't, one level you don't have, and I always, and whenever I talk to people, this seems to be getting popular more and more is to get somebody who pays to have themselves drawn into the comic.
0: It's funny. You mentioned that because I, it was an afterthought Mm -hmm. of of, um, because some of, I've gained a little buzz around the area and and some of the the guys I work with were getting super excited about this. And I was like, you know, I could like throw people in as customers that Hakeem would, you know, make coffee Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. So that is something that future future issues that uh, we we might explore. And I just kind of had a brain fart on this one.
1: That's well, okay. You know, not everybody starts out on the same place. It's just as I interview folks, and I always say the kickstarters. You know, look at podcasters as their best friends because it's free advertising. And so when I talk with people, that one of them I could actually afford. It's usually hundreds of dollars to get that done. And there's one that wasn't. And I, I said to the guy, I- "I'm going to get that. I, I want to get in the book." It was a, a <laughs> it's it's a story about Moby Dick becoming a zombie. Oh and, wow! Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think that he's from Ohio too. I think they're the, Matt Shore. I think for that, but anyway, uh, what you could buy and get your face put in it. And so I sent him my picture, and I, I got it in there, and I didn't see it because I was a zombie too. I didn't quite recognize it, and he pointed it out to me as, "Oh, there I am." And so now I have that little picture somewhere because I, it's kind of neat, especially if you're a longtime comic fan like I am, to see your own face. Being a zombie in a book is, is something special. So I, and, I, I spe- would recommend it.
0: Special, especially these days, everybody wants to be a zombie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it is that nice little extra touch of, hey, look, that's me. I mean, it, it, that is a very cool thing to do.
1: Yeah, that's just something to suggest for future. And you know, we, I'm expecting this one to be successful and move on to the next one. And I think this will work out real well. Now, do you know where the reptilians come from?
0: Yes. Okay. They come from a planet called Dinosauria.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's appropriate. Okay. That's good stuff. So, Speaking so, of that cheesiness. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. It's a, th- a lot of fun. Too. this is. It's, you're right about fun. I, th- that's one thing that when I was a kid, I used to just love seeing stuff. And I still to this day have moments that I cherish when I read something. And I go, Oh my gosh. Uh, there was one time, of course, Batman's my guy. I was He was in uh, a Justice League, a JLA that Grant Morrison had written. And Batman's standing there, and he's dumping a lip, liquid around him. Now, thereafter, uh, they had the Hyperions, I think was the name of the group. And they had Superman-level powers. And he's standing there in the middle of this liquid. And all of a sudden, three of them show up around him. And they say, well, we're about to... Uh, grind your bones to dust. Any last words? And Batman says a few, and he goes to outline what's going on. And it turns out that fire's a big thing, and they discover that that was gasoline that he put. And he pulls out a match, and uh, the one of them goes, "Well, well, that's a, a, a very interesting theory, but uh, it's too bad you never get to, to test it." And he lights the match and throws it into the fire, and the fire blows all over the place, and and all these people are going ah. And Batman stands there and he takes his fist and puts it in the hand and goes, Psst. ready, he goes. I remember where I was when I read it. I remember going, oh, wow. You know, because that was just, I, I couldn't imagine how Batman was going to survive. Yeah. And when he did I, that, I just, wow. I, you know, that was one of those, I, I cherished that moment. That was just a great thing.
0: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause yeah. you know, I've been collecting, I'm 43 years old and I have been collecting comics since I was probably in third or fourth grade. Wow. And like, I can remember right where I was when I like picked up the, uh, two issue of, it was a uh, Superman. Um, when John, John Byrne was doing it. Uh, yeah. I think it was like 13, 14, but mm-hmm. it had to do with a, uh, parallel universe where he goes over and meets um another supergirl but meets three kryptonians that have like just decimated this earth mm. and he has to use gold kryptonite to to basically I, if i remember correctly to kill them mm-hmm. and it was like so like this little kid i'm so shocked i was like no like are, are you serious like superman doesn't kill like mm-hmm. i mean we're actually we're talking about that to this day in other mm-hmm. pop culture <laughs> but mm-hmm. um i can remember where i was w- yeah. what i was doing at the time and being so shocked and there's all these little moments uh, yep. of memories like i i think that's why we love pop culture so mm-hmm. much
1: because it like instills these little moments and times for us Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I, I I so relate to that because, like I said, that that because Batman's my guy. When I saw him take on three Superman level uh, bad guys and beat them, I remember just sitting there going. Now, of course, the next issue, Superman figured out what was going on. Because he's always a little behind Batman when it comes to sorting these things out. But he did figure it out eventually. But you know, that to me was that was the first story Grant Morrison did in the JLA, and I just you know I remember being floored. <laughs>
0: oh and i i remember
1: like because i collected that too i know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about mm-hmm. i love that i just i just it's because i'm a batman guy that's why that's what a big deal so anyway so uh maybe we'll see some moments like that in Kid. that would be fun to have memorable moments that uh, everybody says wow i loved it when you did this did that oh if i if i've done my job correctly they will great now as far as conventions and things go, have you ever had a booth at a, a table at a convention?
0: Yeah, we were doing steady conventions there for a little while, and then we mm-hmm. kind of took a back seat and reorganized things. And then just as we were starting to ramp back up, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic hit. So mm. we've just been um, idling our time, create, making sure that we had plenty of content to, to deliver uh we we've done mothman festival a couple of times that's a, mm-hmm. a a big big little big mm-hmm. outdoor convention up here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but we are right now we're looking at 2022 to kind of like make a big splash and start hitting a lot of the conventions again
1: cool because cool. this year i know i'm going to be at awesome con in dc I'm going to be helping out my my uh, creator friend on several levels. He's going to be doing some stuff, and I'm going to be helping him. I think we're going to be at New York as well, so I've got all kinds of you know plans for that. Not everybody's ready to get started back in the conventions right now, of course. I'm I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, everybody I know basically is fully vaccinated, so I'm kind of like you know I think I'm ready. I I believe the science, so I, I believe we're going to. Be, but I I fully realize that there are people who don't think now is the time to start doing that because I still see people wearing masks and stuff like that. And I know they've been vaccinated and I'm going, well, okay. You know, if that makes you feel safer, all the better, you know, for that. Oh, absolutely.
0: And I, I think I misspoke because I, we were set up for Mothman festival and then they Mm -hmm. postponed it Mm -hmm. and I would have to double check, but I think they like in September, Mm -hmm. I I think they're, they rescheduled it for September, Mm -hmm. but I, I, Unfortunately, my memory is not what it used to be, so I I would have to double check into it. I just know that we're going to be there whenever it's happening.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, now, of course, that leads to the next perfect question. If we want to follow you on social media to find out where you're going to be and things like that, how do we do that?
0: Uh, you can go right to our website at soprocomics.com. dot um, It has all the books that we're doing, as well as where they can be bought. Uh, any type of conventions, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and just search for Sopro Comics, and you should be able to find us.
1: Great, great. That sounds good. So, how long have you been doing Sopro Comics as a company?
0: Uh, actually. Uh, we have probably been doing it for mm, probably eight or nine years. I think, I think wow. it was, oh, I, again, my memory is not the best, but <laughs> it's been, okay. it's been longer than a minute. I can tell you that.
1: Well, that's good. Well, that's good. So that, that's, that's why it's so pro you've been working on it long enough that you're a pro at it. So that's good.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's good. Okay. So we've got to make sure everybody knows insecticid, and that's all one word, number one. It's going to conclude, uh, get the $2,800 goal on Monday, July 19 at 7.33 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. And as we're recording, we're recording a little early. uh, We're not there yet. Now, we need you guys' help to make sure that this happens. Be sure to get in there. I have backed it, and I think you should do the same. If you go to Kid number one on Kickstarter, I think you'll get a chance to look things over. You'll have a fun video to look at, as well as some of the pages and some of the art and all the different levels and good things. So you can pick out what is the best for you. And I, I want to see more kid so let's make sure that happens. So all I can tell you is I think you do, you're off to a great start, uh, Michael. And let's, uh, let's have lots more Kid. Then maybe that whole hundred issues and more would be great to see.
0: Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, I just ran into your podcast by accident on Facebook, and I started listening to them. And you do a really good job of, of getting the information out about some of these indie comics.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I, I don't often bump into people who have listened to the podcast. The first time I did, I was interviewing the guy and said, "You know, I listen to your podcast." I was about two hundred and fifty episodes in, and I and I said, "Really? I've never talked to anybody who actually listens to it before." <laughs> so I always appreciate that. I, I appreciate you listening to it and, and seeking me out. So uh, I am sure we'll get to talk again. Maybe for the next time around, whenever you are doing something like this, uh, let's get in touch and, and talk again. How about? great to welcome to the podcast folks from livid comics and that includes let me make sure i get them in alpha order john durgan and joel van patten let's start with you john how are you
2: good thank you i we really appreciate you having us on here today um you know it's a great opportunity to get on and talk about our, our comic that's live on kickstarter i always say that podcasters are the best friend of kickstarter
1: people because it's free advertising absolutely hard to pass that up and joel how about you
3: yeah, doing well, Wayne. Thanks a lot for having us on the show tonight. We're excited to be here. So thank you for the opportunity. It's great to talk with you. Now, we got to be really clear on how this book is named
1: because I was uh, mixed up, but I get mixed up easily anyway. So the book is called Yule, issue one, but it's spelled J-O-L with the double dots over the O and it's pronounced Yule. That's right.
3: Yes, correct. that's correct. And a lot of people think it's my name and it's not my name. So some people are like, oh, you named the book after yourself. And I'm like, no, it's not named Joel. It's Yule. So, yeah, we wanted like a, a Scandinavian uh, name that uh, actually um, kind of uh, works around Christmas. So it's like Yule, Yule log, Yule tide. If you think of that, that's kind of how a good way to remember it.
1: And the reason why we're, we're going into that is because the book has to do with Christmas. And let me read a, a little bit of the, the description on the Kickstarter page. It says, as a child, did you ever wish you could go to the North Pole and meet Santa and see his workshop? Eight-year-old Will Sheldon is about to have that wish come true, kind of. While Christmas shopping for his dad, Will comes across a mysterious cube in the back of an antique junk shop that catches his eye and costs only one dollar. Boy, that's a, you know, there's trouble there. What he doesn't know is that this simple purchase will trigger a chain of events that would change the world as we know it. And so this is great. So, well, let's see, who uh, who's the best one to ask where the, the idea came from? Is that John?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I am the writer. Um, and so... The I have a seven-year-old son uh, named Will. I guess uh, saying off air and named the character after my kid there. Um, so. One night around Christmas time, it was a couple years back. Um, he told me he liked Halloween more than Christmas because he liked that it was scary and, and Christmas wasn't. <laughs> so um, I started trying to think of ideas to be themed around Christmas, but you know, still have a creepy atmosphere to it. Um, something that hadn't been done, you know, like Krampus or you know something like along that lines. I mean, Scrooge obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, can be creepy in its own way. But um, so I started thinking, you know, what if A kid around my son's age got trapped at the North Pole, but it was on the outskirts, you know, not all warm and fuzzy. And there was evil Mm -hmm. lurking in the woods. That's where the concept started. Um, From there, uh, you know, Joel and I started talking about doing a comic book and I I pitched the idea to him um, as far as what I had been starting to write and i was going to do it as a novel um initially so um we started talking about doing it as a comic series and we expanded the story uh significantly from there um it's gonna have you know time travel um it's gonna have uh, hopping different dimensions um alternate history um you know it's it's gonna have quite the the mixed bag in there so um but the initial concept was that conversation with my son, um, and I, I still remember sitting there in his bed talking to him. Um, it was Christmas. It was Christmas night, actually, and um, it, it, I just I remember immediately trying to come up with ideas in my head while I was sitting there putting him to bed, um, and that's where it all started. Oh, cool. Because it's really interesting. Of course, we're recording this in
1: July. And of course, you know, a lot of people consider Christmas in July because July 25th is like six months from December 25th. So that's considered uh, the time. So this is a good time to do Christmas stuff. And people scold me because I don't get to this... As fast as I should, the Yule issue number one Kickstarter is underway right now and is going to conclude on Wednesday, July 21st at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Oh, you don't know how many people wretch at me if I wait till the end of the episode. Why did you wait so long? So we're going to get that out there and make sure that 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 happens. So it's good to do. Now, Joel, okay, so we've got where the, the basic came from. How did you decide the art style and what the characters look like?
3: yeah that was a bit challenging, you know, to take over a brand new book with non established characters. It wasn't like I took over for Spider man or something like that where we all know how he looks. so I literally have you know notebooks and pages of sketches of just what does his face look like and trying to figure this out and you know finally nailing something and what happens too in the comic art world is sometimes a character will need what we call a singularity, so it needs some type of defining look so you know it's that character. So, Will has his uh, big hair flop in the front. Um, That's kind of his definitive uh, style that he's got going on there. Um, Just looking at it overall, my background uh, for the last 10 years, I've been working in fine art with oil painting. Um, I did have a sequential background in my youth. I was actually going to go to Savannah College of Art and Design for sequential art. Kind of passed on that and started a business in the automotive world instead. So, the the idea was ideally to try to merge the two between sequential art, but also kind of have a painterly element to some of the coloring and images in there. Uh, the dream eventually would be to do maybe a full book in analog oil paint, if time ever allowed to do that. That was something that we have on our radar, maybe, you know, like Alex Ross kind of style or something fun like that.
2: Hmm. Cool. Now, how many chapters are in this book? The story? Well, so the this story arc is gonna be five issues. Um, but you know the the world of Yules is much bigger than that. We've already talked about branching off for different storylines and um, you know, there's some characters in future issues that really could have their own series. So um, but this particular story is gonna be five issues.
1: Cool. Now, one of the things it says on the Kickstarter page, uh, it says issue one is fully completed and currently at your printer. Wow. Congratulations. That's
2: great.
3: Yeah, thanks. That's fun. It's we actually have
2: some promo copies in hand, so we we had a small batch sent to us to to check for any errors and and whatnot. So it's I I drove to, it went to Joel's house. I I was like I'm driving there the first chance I get. <laughs> I, I wanted the copy in my hand. So is this your first guy? Your first comic? Yes.
1: Okay, because for both uh, of us. Yeah. For both. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Because, you know, I I am an editor for indie comics and uh, my roommate did a book and I was editing and the first time he saw the first character that was drawn in a way that we liked it, he just like like running around the room going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And it's that first one is just something that uh, something really special. So I'm glad that you guys get to do that and and make that and we've already gotten to that that point. So now it will move on. But there's something else we got to talk about and the fact that you've had a thousand dollar goal and you have passed that goal already. So what that means is on Wednesday, July the 21st at 10 a.m., you are going to get the amount of money that has at that time and we're recording a little early you're almost at three thousand dollars as we're recording so uh uh come on guys this is the time to get in and really jump on board and help make this thing happen you know i I always talk about the daily heart attack in kickstarters people go on and refresh and in the last five minutes nobody new has pledged and you go oh no it's over that's the end i'm not getting any more and uh, luckily for you guys, you don't have to have that every day. That's a good thing.
2: We still yeah. hit ref- refresh plenty, though. Don't get <laughs> don't get me wrong there. Um, you know we, um, you know we we set the goal low intentionally because we the book was done already. Um, you know we wanted to make sure that um, we had money towards the printing costs. You know, and really. Help Livid Comics overall for future issues, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we're going to be using funding on is the rewards for the Kickstarter, which we, you know, also the the customized uh, bags and backing boards and so forth. Um, you know, we try to go above and beyond with everything. Uh, so uh, it's not standard paper on the comic book. It's you know, it's not standard backing boards. It's customized bags. You know, so we we really wanted it to feel special. Cool, that's great stuff. I, I love it when a book is, does goes the extra
1: mile to make it really interesting and enjoyable for those kinds of things. Now, I've I got to ask, of course, uh, Livid Comics. Uh, did you create Livid Comics to make the book, or did you have Livid Comics before the the start on the book? Is that Joel? Should I ask Joel on that one? I like to. Yeah, Joel can Yeah, sure.
3: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, we just needed something to release it underneath uh, that title. So I guess to answer your question, Livid came because of Yule, and then Yule became because of Livid. So um, the idea with it too is we wanted to not just use it to promote and publish our own books, but also you know have the capacity to help other artists, other writers who may need to help you know with printing costs or getting it out to people or marketing or setting up a Kickstarter campaign. And you know if we can connect with them and help them in any way. That was also part of what we wanted Livid to be and also to help with distribution in the uh, New England area because it's really lacking up here in terms of what we could find for indie titles, you know, at our local comic book store. So that was one of the main goals with Libid was not just to do our own thing, but also help other people get over that hurdle to release their own books as well.
1: Hmm, that's interesting because I guess because you guys are closer to New York City, everybody kind of figures the, peop- the folks there handle that stuff.
3: Yeah, we're so, bought, like Boston's an hour and a half away or so. So, we're up by Boston area, north of Boston. Mm-hmm. See, what's really interesting to me is I moved from um,
1: around Washington, D.C. area to Florida. And I was stunned when I got here how many comics creating companies there were in Florida. I kind of thought, you know, this far from New York, nobody's going to be thinking comics. But there's like all these different companies down here and it's just all over the state. And uh, I'm always interested in that and see where the companies come from because. Uh, you know, it, it used to be in the old days. If it wasn't DC or Marvel or Image, it didn't happen. But now, thanks to Kickstarter and things like that, we get all those good things going on. So I'm I'm real pleased to hear that. Every time I hear a new company, I go, "That's good. That's a good right. thing."
3: Yeah, like, like Florida. To your point, yeah, it definitely seems like there's a ton down there right now. So it's like a, a hot spot, you know. And, and we're kind of you know have some little bit of old school things up here. Like mm-hmm. forty miles down the road, you know, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were made in Mirage Studios. So that's local uh new england comics is another local with the tick Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. those guys so there's some good about the time they were indie publishers but now they're big time so you know kind of grew up in that that world too up here
1: it intrigues me when i get to go to conventions in different parts of the country i'm always looking around to see what the the climate is like as far as uh comics companies go and in i went to ohio they had a uh uh, con I forget the name of the top of space I think it was called I forget what the space stands for but it was like independent independent books and there were a ton of comic companies in in that area around Cincinnati or Cleveland there's a bunches of them and I'm always interested I I I guess it's because the the technology has made it such that we can actually do these kinds of things we don't have to be near huge printing presses to make those things happen you can have a local printer that can do it which is just great And that's great. Now, let's get back to the story because I want to talk a little bit more. I'm going to read a little bit more off of the Kickstarter page because it has something to do with how the story goes. Known in other realms as the Kasi. Did I get that right? I'm I'm always worried about pronouncing. Okay. The long dormant cube teleports Will to an unknown dimension between his home and the true North Pole. Will wakes up in a snowy forest in an unfamiliar land. Terrified, he starts his trek across uh, dangerous terrain. But something ghastly lurks in the surrounding woods, waiting for the chance to feast upon him, or at least stop Will dead in his tracks. Mm, uh, uh, is, is that going to be something that we've heard of before, or is that something new you guys have come up with?
2: Completely new. Um, okay. It's Yeah. Um... Joel made some some pretty cool. um, Well, as you'll see on the initial cover, we tried to to keep stuff hidden. You know, you just see these claws coming out at him. Um, But as we've done some of these shows and, you know, people have seen some of the pages, uh, people have gotten a glimpse at these these creatures uh, that we're referring to there. Um, But that's all Joel's creation right there. Oh, cool very cool because you know the the christmas legends and stuff like that i'm
1: always you know we, we talked a little bit before we started to record about like krampus and things like that i'm a big krampus fan I, the anti-colaus as i call him and i always like to when there's new legends that come along and they take off you know because krampus to me is one of those great things that uh, i didn't know about it i mean it's been around for centuries and yet uh, now finally we're starting to get comics about krampus and there's movies coming out about krampus and stuff like that so maybe you guys if this thing takes off you might have movie deals and and <laughs> stuff in your future you never know
2: that's the dream right there <laughs> the, we talk about that you know uh, you know we've talked about that quite a bit that's obviously far down the line we're on our first issue but i absolutely could see it you know it did the whole concept and story and the characters we've created and the backstories and just the cool look that you know Joel is putting on paper with them it just it all has opportunity written all over it Oh, boy, because Netflix, I mean, all these
1: uh, channels have 24 hours a day programming going on, and they need something to fill all that time, particularly when you get around the holidays. And uh, that's something that we should talk a little bit about that, because I always tell the story of Grant Morrison and Klaus, I think he called it, K-L-A-U-S. It's the first issue of the first series came out in December. And I think I was the only one in May buying the last issue in that series. I thought this is not the time to put a, <laughs> a Christmas book out mm-hmm. in the middle of May. So I was kind of like, so I noticed on your on the Kickstarter page that uh, it's this is coming out.
2: When is the book? When are you going to start distributing it? So we we were telling everyone. Uh, we actually had a lot of uh friends family uh joel's fine art fans um you know backing us before kickstarter even started you know this is back in january february people were ready to support us um we were telling people you know late april early may was the goal uh, well, mm-hmm. the book was done in early May, but there's massive printing delays with the COVID stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So the the ten promo copies we had sent to us, we were initially told seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Then it turned into two to three weeks. We didn't get them for forty five days, and and now we're waiting on the large order to come in for, uh, for stuff. So that's why it's delayed. It's not due to production. It's been mm-hmm. done. Jules halfway done book two even. So it's wow. yeah. But the but the good news is this may have worked to your benefit. If
1: you start distributing it around, say, November, this might be an ideal time to put a Christmas book out because that's when people start buying holiday stuff.
2: Well, the thing, too, though, I mean, our initial goal was to have all five done by then so we could put out a nice graphic novel of all five issues together for the holidays. But with the printing delays, it's seeming more and more unlikely. But we at least want a couple of them. We're going to be at a comic con here in, in New Hampshire, the Granite Con in Manchester, New Hampshire, in September. Mm-hmm. We want Yule 1 and Yule 2 on our table. So mm-hmm. um, so hopefully uh, we at least have three of the books out by Christmas even so that we could even maybe put those together. Are you going to collect it when it's all done? Uh, absolutely. Okay.
1: Okay, so that'd be good because I, I like. It just depends on the on the, the story and stuff. Of unfortunately, I have a stack as tall as me of stuff that I have to read, and so I am behind on that. But the good stuff, I still want to get a good hardcover or a collected edition, so that especially when it comes around Christmas, because I am a big Christmas guy. I got to tell you, I love holiday music. I love holiday stuff. I'm not much on holiday movies. Uh, romance stuff doesn't get me because it's a 50-50 shot. They get together. They don't. So I find that a little boring. But I love the holiday music. Even in the middle of the summer, I'm still looking for holiday music to, to buy and stuff like that. So right away, we got my attention uh, with the Christmas story. Even in the middle of July, I am. I said, Christmas, July, all right. <laughs> let's have at that. I, I think that's a great thing. So th- the good news is, is that that'll, I think that will do really well, you, you know, the old, because uh, when I lived in the Washington DC area, the radio station up there that played pop music on July the 25th, they would always run Christmas music all day. And of course I'd be listening to it all day. Cause I was, that's, that's what I want to hear. I like to hear that stuff. So for me, I, I have you guys thought about,
2: I like music that might go with this comic that's a good question uh we i don't know if, if you had a chance to check out the the trailer or not but i mean mm-hmm. we you know we had someone make the trailer for us and we had a christmas song go into um you know some creepy um horror sounding um music there so um and Joel actually had talked with with someone about potentially writing some, some music uh, for, for it as well, for the trailer. But um, I'm seeing some of these Kickstarters out there where they'll have like a soundtrack. Um, yes. That's something that we haven't really explored much yet, but I think that would be pretty cool, especially since we we're looking to hire someone to make some music anyways. So, mm-hmm. cause there, there are some book companies that will
1: make they'll, they'll you can buy the soundtrack uh, as well as the stuff. Cause they'll often, like you said, like with your video, they will put out, They'll develop a soundtrack basically for when you're reading the book, and they'll. That's one of the levels will be the soundtrack, and I often buy that because I'm I'm interested in in music and stuff, and I always I, I always hearken back to Nexus when they had those black and white issues, the first three, and the third one had a what they call a flexi disc in it. And uh, Mike Barron and uh Steve Rood had actually put together a a uh, like a an audio play of the third book, and I listened to it and i I, I until I wore that disc out because I, I thought that was such a cool thing sure. and, uh, that nobody else has done it that I know of since then, but uh, I think that's a especially in the, the holiday time oh my that would I think that would go big I think that, that this would really work well for you. So I think that would be a great thing. So how many pages are in the first issue? 22 pages for issue one. Okay. And is that going to be consistent from issue to issue?
2: It's a minimum. Yeah. And we might have some longer issues. Uh, you know, we, uh, issue uh, two is already scripted. Like I said, Joel's working on that. That's, you know, right now is supposed to be 22 pages, but we could easily turn that into more um, if we find you know, after looking through editing and so forth, um, that it makes more sense there to to add to it. But um, that was the thought, 22 pages for all five issues um, and and see where things go. But we definitely don't want to skimp on the details. So uh, Mm -hmm. if we have to do 30 pages, 30 plus pages, whatnot, we'll do it. Now, well, I have to ask at
1: this point, because I think it's important for people to know, including me, if I like a Christmas story, are you going to Kickstarter
2: each issue? I th- I, th- would, I don't know, Joel, wouldn't you think it, at least the thought now is we'll see how much backing we get as we go, um, you know, support without Kickstarter. Um it's a lot of work doing a kickstarter as as you probably know uh, mm-hmm. setting it all up uh promoting 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 you know mm-hmm. um talking to so many people and mm-hmm. um so I, we'll see i mean i think we we probably will but we also have other titles in the works too so we don't want to be you know, having multiple Kickstarters running at once and no, you, we're you having to worry about either. all that. I don't think you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kickstarter won't
1: let you until you fulfill. I think if you do one, you have to fulfill that one before they'll let you start another one. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding of it. And uh, Chris, you know, I, I just think that uh, I always say that I'm so grateful for Kickstarter, and I, I wish it was had been around sooner. Because I always worry about the stories that we didn't get to see because Kickstarter wasn't there. You know, DC or Marvel wouldn't pick them up, and all those stories just never happened for us because there wasn't Kickstarter to do it. So yeah, I'm I up think.
3: Of- Yeah, I think a lot of the Kickstarter now is uh, for marketing too, right? So it's not even just necessarily funding, but it's getting new eyes on your product. There's some big names coming in there. I mean, we've seen some things recently with what you know Todd McFarlane's done, you know what Keanu Reeves Berserkers done. Like you know, there's some big names, big money coming in to that scene too. So that's something that might have to think about if you're a uh, independent publisher is using it, you know, for marketing too, just to get your book in front of new eyes as part of it too whether or not your campaign's successful or not that's something to consider
1: somebody told me that the berserker number one kickstarter was the biggest all-time comic book kickstarter
3: yeah it was was 1.4 million last i checked i bought it i bought at the local comic shop i didn't buy it on kickstarter but (laughs) i have it and it's a good book I, i really like the art if it has a like a kind of a colorized, uh, old-school Frank Miller, Sin City kind of feel to it. So I'm a big Mm -hmm. Frank Miller fan, so kind of has that feel to it.
1: Very cool, because, you know,
3: I the
1: comic industry doesn't know what it wants to be when it grows up, to be Mm -hmm. honest. And I kind of – I'm anxious to see where it goes. Everybody says, is it going to be digital? Is it going to be print? Is the print going to at some point stop and it's just going to go completely digital? On every Wednesday, will we go to an FTP site and download the digital? Instead of going to and buying the paper copies and stuff like that, I don't ever see that happening. Me neither, Frank. Yeah, I don't either. Because too many people enjoy the paper, you know, the experience of holding it in your hands and reading it and turning the pages and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. I'm always reminded of a guy who uh, runs a comic company, and I won't say who it is, just uh, I don't want to embarrass him. But he, his daughter was there, and his daughter had learned how to read on an iPad. And so he said, well, hey, how, would you like to read this this comic that I was involved with? And he laid it in front of her. And what she did, every time it was time to turn a page, she put her finger on it and phoosh, like it was an iPad. Phoop, phoop. And of course, he was kind of panicking because you know the condition was going right down the toilet when, as she did that. But uh, he said, next time, I'm going to make sure you get the digital version. He said to her. <laughs> Yeah. but I
3: like to I like to hang them on the wall in the studio too, right? So you get something nice, uh, maybe it's slabbed or maybe it's just bagged, and um, they're kind of my buddies in the studio with me. Honestly, like I like looking at those guys, the 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 characters, the artists. They're kind of with me, so it creates a like a homey feel in the studio. So I line the walls with the books, like every fan does, right? So um, you couldn't get that with the uh, the digital, obviously, unless you printed it off or something. But I don't think it would be the same.
1: Well, and I've got to ask you as the artist, I, I I'm always interested in, in this topic. Do you do you use paper? Do you draw on the paper or do you use computers and
3: then print it out? How do you create the art? So for Livid and Yule, I'm right now I'm fully digital. Um, I do have that old romantic, you know, old school style in me that I do like to get my hands dirty. I do like working with bristle board and inks and all that type of stuff. So um, just for terms of productivity and speed right now, it's fully digital. Um, but sometimes I think about that, too. I'm like, man, if I ever died, like there's so many drawings <laughs> that are going to be locked in my iPad that no one's ever <laughs> going to be able to see. So there's something about that, too. Right. Um, uh, you know, like I said earlier uh, on the show, I might you know eventually do something that's fully analog, which would be. You know canvases. I mean, you're talking 24 inch by 36 inch per page just to get mm-hmm. the size out. You know, and do that by 30. I would say I have 30 canvases kicking around the studio. But yeah, to answer your question, is currently I'm just doing it digital. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like that old style, and that might be something if we get time that I would absolutely be open to going back to doing something fully analog. Because the reason I ask that is whenever
1: I've talked to an artist, I, I ask that question, and the ones that do it paper. If they run short and they need a little extra money, they'll sell those pages, like the cover or certain pages that people want and stuff like that. They'll, that'd be a little extra income for them. If you do it on the computer, you could print out a million of them and nobody really wants them because it's it's the computer.
3: Unless, so I, I guess unless you did like those uh, like NTFs now, right? You can do yeah. something like that where they have uh-huh. the, the, the fun tokens, I guess. I don't know much about it, but like they digitize an art image. So mm-hmm. that might be something worth exploring too. I, I don't know much about it, but I have seen some art selling like a digital token, which mm-hmm. is kind of an interesting thing too.
2: Yeah, what they what they do with that is they serialize it. They put a number on it, so it's an, a limited number digital version. So, um, and it's blowing up. Uh, you know, the NBA is doing it. They're selling uh, NTF moments, uh, and it's it's this huge trading market. It's it's like. The trading cards for, for for the next generation. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see if that'll continue blowing up or or not. I I don't know. I like a physical thing in my hand, but yeah, because there's a lot of people who like to buy the art.
1: They want to have those, particularly if they're into the. let's, Let's say, *Livid* takes off, and you guys are are well known, and there are some people saying the very first book you did was *Yule*, and I'd like to have the cover of that and there's a lot of people <laughs> who like that kind of thing and i and they spend a lot of money on those things uh, as i see and uh, i always tell people who only do digital you might think about covers doing them on paper just so that that little extra income that that pushes you along comes on of course with your kickstarter doing this well you you may not have to worry about that so much and uh the, as we're recording this a little early uh i, I would love to see this really make it so that you didn't have to do another kickstarter you could just do the both issues with this with this much money so it would be a great thing to see but uh you know real life gets in the way of that kind of stuff though so that's the bad news with that right. I, i've got to ask a thing or two because being a christmas guy he's at the north pole and we know there's the the the, the uh uh, antagonists, shall we say? We won't get any more, more on that. Are we going to see other Christmas-related things, like maybe Santa Claus or
2: elves or things like that? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the you know, not to give too much away, right? But um, absolutely, the protagonist is Will, but he has some help from from an elf named uh, Einar, uh, which his backstory is pretty cool. And the main villain is a half elf named Ragnar and, and his backstory is, is awesome. I can't wait to to tell that in future issues, but he's a very powerful, um, uh, you know, half elf. And he, he wants that Kasi, you know, so that's the, the, the big story here is, is he's coming for this thing and, and will needs to get this thing to safety and, and this device, uh, I don't, Recall, I don't think um, we said this on on air here, but the device that Will, will it's the Kasi, is what Santa Claus used to use to suspend time so he could deliver gifts around the world in a single night. Oh. Um, so you don't know in issue one, like why is this thing sitting in an antique shop if Santa Claus used it, right? But uh, right. there's a whole backstory to that and future issues. Uh, issue one is really him getting this device accidentally triggering it uh getting teleported you know to this uh dimension between his home in the north pole and, mm-hmm. and and getting the story kicking off here so it's pretty action-packed there's there's not too much dialogue in issue one um you know half the book is is you know a chase scene you know so it's uh it's suspenseful uh there's not too much talking through it and that's by design yeah. Two to moving forward there's a lot more dialogue because we want to tell the backstories to the Cassie, to to the villain to the, to the um uh, uh einar the the uh, protagonist elf there um and you'll see on our kickstarter there's an image um mm-hmm which is the, the trade card that we made, or I shouldn't say we made Joel. <laughs> Joel did all the work on that, um, that actually shows characters um, throughout the series that you don't even see in book one. So a little bit of a spoiler there on on the, uh, the trade card. Oh, cool, because I, I like it when you get some extra
1: information out of the Kickstarter page and stuff like that. Yeah, I do see this thing with the, the Kasi and the C. Obviously, that's Will in the middle. looks like painted. That must be the uh, half-elf, of course. I, now, of course, I have to know what the other half is. I <laughs> guess I have to read the book to find that out, what I'll have to do.
2: Yeah, we won't find that out in book one. I, you Actually, book two probably won't go into – it's not going into his backstory per se. So it's really book three where it's going to dive in. Um, at least the, the plan is to dive into uh, Ragnar's backstory, um, mm-hmm. why he wants this thing, who he is. Um, I – I use the comparison to Harry Potter a lot as far as I, I view him like Voldemort, uh, if, if you've followed Harry Potter at all, uh, um, yep. where everyone knows him, everyone fears him, but you really don't even see him for the first few books, uh, you know, or movies. If, if people watch the movies, you just hear of him and see like little flashes of him. And, and that's kind of the, the model we wanted to go with, with, with him. Um, <laughs> Santa Claus, um, is definitely part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when Joel was making this this card, he asked if we should have him on it. And I said, I didn't think it was a good idea. I just didn't want it to take too much away from the other characters, um, you know, mm-hmm. but he's definitely part of the, the whole story. Well, that's good because Santa, of course, is the, the the gift giver
1: and as such kids are always interested in, in him and all those kinds of things. So that'll be interesting to see. how uh, Of course, I'll be curious to see how Joel portrays Santa when the time comes. Because there are multitude of versions of him, you know, the, the, gosh, I, I particularly like the older ones where he's, he's not in the red and white outfit, but he's in, some of them he's wearing green, and I'm always kind of like, That's interesting. I haven't seen Santa wearing green before, so I'm just kind of curious because I don't want Joel to spoil that. I want to be able to read that when the time comes. I'd rather not find out ahead
3: of time. Yeah. I'll just say I'm a big fan of, like, the Icelandic Yule Lads, if you ever Google them. So, like, these mischievous uh, elven gnome type of creatures that show up on – it's like the 12 Days of Christmas with, like, these prankster – Uh, Yule ads that show up and do different pranks and tricks to people. So Mm -hmm. if you Google those images, that's kind of what's in my mind. So just to tease you a little bit, that might be somewhat along the lines of what he might actually look like. Cool.
1: Very cool. Now, one of the things that you do that I always enjoy, and I actually did once, I could afford it one time, uh, is the, the $750 goal, appear in an upcoming issue of Yule. Have you ever wanted to be in a comic book? Well, now you can. I always I enjoyed that. I actually was in a uh, a book about Moby Dick as a zombie.
3: <laughs> oh nice,
1: there you go. <laughs> and I'm I'm in there in the, as one of the characters and in there and of course when I looked at the book I didn't quite recognize it because I was a zombie and I had to go to the the, the guy who did it. I said, Which one am I? And he pointed it out and of course now I just oh yes, I'm in a comic. I love it. And I have to say that uh, if you ever get a chance to do that, especially if you're a comic fan, boy that I I highly recommend doing that. That is <laughs> it's as a comic fan, there's nothing better than seeing your face in the in a comic because you know my whole life I've wanted that now I'll, I, now I'm in there so that's I, awesome I recommend that get get to do that of course you know, you'll get a picture I'm sure of the person and then be able to draw that person in and uh, we won't ask where because that's something you know, that'd be the nice surprise oh, let's go <laughs> Good
3: yeah story. and there's. Yeah, as go I, I say, um, on that, you're in the uh, issue. I, don't, I think it's not even necessarily going to be limited to necessarily a panel or a page. It could be several panels and a few pages. I'm not sure. So we'd have to go with what the story allows. So that's kind of yeah. a cool reward, right? So it might just be one panel. A lot of times that's the case. But this might actually be – you might be uh, in the book quite a bit. So we'll see what happens with that when the way John writes that out and where we go with it.
1: So you could be a recurring character.
3: Perhaps that's a possibility for sure.
1: It could be Krampus.
3: (laughs) If you got the look, we'll do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That'll be fun. I was saying you've got all these other good little uh, goodies in there. You've got your Livid Comics t-shirt, the trucker hat, uh, the hand-drawn signed Yule theme sketch, signed by you stickers, uh, limited signed edition number one. See, all that stuff is good stuff, all oh, worth having. I, I, I love to, to get those kinds of things. I have not yet backed this. That's when we get done talking, I'm going to get in there and back it. Uh, so I can I decide which one, I can number one, I can afford, and number two, I really want. And we'll do that because I just think these kinds of, especially if it's Christmas, boy, I'm going to have a tough time picking that. Cause that's good stuff. So I oh, appreciate it. Because it, it, it's great to do those things. And I, I'll probably get a digital because, as I said, I have a stack as tall as me, and I just, I, uh, I don't know when I'm going to get to read them all, but uh, I, I tend to get a digital because I have more room on my hard drive than I do in my, in my, my shelves. So I'll have to do that, but it just looks like it's great stuff. And I love the painted look, by the way, Joel, I think that's oh, cool. a, a great yeah, choice. That.
3: Yeah. It takes a lot of time, but I think at the end of the day, it's worth it. You know, I just have to figure out how to make it faster because we're trying to get the books out quickly. So, um, but I, I, you know, if my name's on it, I want it to be a certain quality too, right? I mean, I appreciate the simplicity of just a black and white book. I'm actually an old uh golden era like EC horror comics fan. So that's kind of hopefully some of my Jack Davis, you know, Wally Wood, Johnny Craig stuff comes through a little bit in it because I love those guys. And man, that art is killer. And it's just simplistic black and white stuff with four color, you know, awesome. And love of course, the painted, the painted feel is perfect for Christmas.
1: I mean, if you ever look at Christmas cards and stuff, almost all of them are painted. So it's just ideal. I mean, you couldn't have, you know, that may be your, your, your uh, style of choice, but boy, it, it couldn't be better applied than in a Christmas story. That just absolutely perfect.
3: Norman Rockwell meets horror, right? So that's kind
1: of Norman Rockwell. Some are going,
3: (gasps) (laughs) it's dark side,
1: (laughs) (laughs) the dark side of Christmas. Yeah. We don't like that. Well, let's, let's, I think based on the fact that you are already past your goal, I think that it's a safe bet that uh, this one, not only is going to do well, but let's hope that you'll get to do maybe a second issue, you know, pretty quickly. And you're working on that. Um, after you get this story done uh in the yule you said there are other stories you want to tell in the yule universe uh more christmas or maybe other holidays
2: well i mean right now the characters that we're talking about using you know a lot of that would be christmas side of things still um although there is there is a henchman that works with um uh ragnar which he's on that trade card there on the top right i believe i don't have it in front of me he's got mm-hmm. like the horns uh but he's got a really cool backstory and uh we like the idea of a story based around his species too uh, you know so that obviously wouldn't necessarily be christmas based um but even a lot of the other comic books or, or stories that i have in my head uh, I can find a way to tie it to the Kasi um, and and almost make it like our own universe. You know, I don't want to obviously do it just to do it. It needs to make sense. But, um, you know, I have other stories that I have started started jotting down outlines for where I I'm debating on tying it all into this big universe together. So I think it would be pretty
1: cool. Well, it looks great, and I mean you know the success that you're having so far, and, and hopefully by the time this uh this post you are f- much farther along and you know doing much better, even though you're doing very well right now i would I'd love to see'd love to see this kind of take off and do some kind of stuff because I just you know it, it's, this, you were talking about horror stories the they used to back in the eighteen hundreds tell horror stories as part of christmas. <laughs> You know, they. It's if you ever listen, if if you ever read, like the uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, darn can't remember the name of of The night before Christmas or whatever. Those those kinds of books, and the one that uh, Dickens wrote, they'd have horror stories going on in them, and so they were always doing that kind of stuff. And I was always kind of like, you know, I actually sat down one time and I read *The Christmas Carol*, and I was surprised how many things get left out of that book. Uh, at one point, for example, Christmas present, the the ghost of Christmas present takes uh, the, the main character to a ship in the middle of the ocean, and it's Christmas Eve, and they are celebrating Christmas on the ship, and of course they're dancing and doing all kinds of stuff because it's just them. And I thought, gee, I'd never heard of that before, but it's in the book, and I was thinking, man, somebody should do a Christmas Carol, the other, the the uh, the left out stuff. Because there's a lot of interesting stuff on there. And so I just think there's, you know, there's a lot of Christmas stories that have yet to be told. And, you know, the, like the elf on the shelf, you know, nobody heard of that before five years ago. <laughs> and those things take off and boy, stand back. So that could be good stuff for you guys. I, I really hope it takes off because uh, I don't think we have yet begun to get to the depths of, of what good holiday storytelling could go on. I think you guys have come up with a great story that that really will, I think, enchant people, not only kids.
3: Yeah. There's a little bit of morality story behind this too. So one thing that will has to overcome is his uh, anger issue because the Kasi actually works off of emotion. So little kids with rage or being frustrated with things, he has to learn to control that in order to successfully navigate the Kasi through time and dimension. So we have an underlying theme story there, to your point, kind of ties back to the morality tale of like Christmas Carol and things like that also.
1: Great. great. Right. It's going to be great. Again, it's Yule issue one and it's spelled J-O with the double dots over at L uh, issue one. And again, the, the it's going to conclude on Wednesday, July 21 at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Don't wait until then. Uh, just because they've gotten their gold that, that's not the time to give it. That's the time to jump on because all these lovely stretch goals and things will just do wonderful things and, and help these guys do more of it. Because it just seems like a really enchanting holiday story. And in the middle of July, I like it when it's 110 degrees outside. Yep, I want to hear a Christmas story. I want. I, I used to always read winter books in the middle of summer to try to cool down. <laughs> so this is a great time to do it. So are there other projects? You said that there are some other things that the livid comics is going to be up to. Is there anything you can tell us now or do we
2: need to wait for that? No, we absolutely can. We started teasing it, um, uh, on social media. So, um, so, so, Joel is, um, about half a little around halfway through issue two, uh, of Yule. Uh, but we also have started another series called dead ball, um, which the protagonist, um, is a baseball player that, um, plays during the dead ball era, um, the 1910 range. Um, and he, his career gets cut short to a gruesome injury. He, it's a deal with a devil sort of situation. So, uh, he ends up making this deal to, to get, healed um in a for return favor um in the future and it's going to involve um Carney's, um you know the the leader of the carnival is a supernatural um cult leader um who is the magician of the carnival he runs the carnival and um it's going to it's going to be a lot darker <laughs> than than yule um i say yule is a horror story but it's a family horror story there's no gore there's no profanity or anything like that mm-hmm. Um, dead ball is going to be a lot darker, uh, more adult themed horror. So, hmm.
1: you, you keep hitting on the, the, my soft spots. So the baseball is another thing. Have you ever watched Field of Dreams, absolutely. Uh, I, I, my, my I, I have a twin brother, and I, I, I watched the, the movie the first. And of course, my dad had passed when I went and saw Field of Dreams. And when the guy, the father, stands up and he takes the mask off. I, I almost hyperventilated because, you know, I, I related that character with my father and I was just like the tears started to roll. And, you know, and then it ends up with all the cars are coming and stuff like that. And I just every time I want to if I want to, you know, you're getting in the mood for having a good cry. I want to watch Feel the Dreams because that just gets me. Every yeah, day. absolutely. So, so that baseball story, because that's the thing to that. There's, there's something magical about baseball, too, that, 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 that really
2: go well.
3: Yeah, and John that's concept. And I, uh, oh, sorry, Joel. What were you gonna say? No, that's okay. Uh, John and I are big baseball fans too, outside of this. So, John does the uh fantasy baseball, and I follow the Red Sox religiously up here in New England. So, yeah, it's just a uh, kind of a natural course. And John had originally wrote uh Deadball as the modern era. And I said, Well, I you know, let's talk about this uh, that 1910s because I like that look, that image, what was going on in the world. You know, and all that stuff. And I think the title just works perfectly right for Deadball, Deadball era. It's kind of got a horn name to it kind of in a way. So um, it was great. So we get to uh, you know, explore that. And we're working with a Brazilian artist named uh, Rogerio Rios is going to be doing the art for that book. And I'm hopping on to do the color work in there, too. And also the lettering for for Deadball.
1: Wow. So you guys are up to great stuff. It sounds like really good. If people want to follow you and keep up with your stuff, how do they do that? Do you have like a website? Do you have social media? You want to run with
2: that, Joel? You got all that there?
3: I don't know if you had the new link, John, if you wanted to run the new link. You had that one? Well, yeah,
2: I made a link tree today, so I I feel I feel accomplished. Um, (laughs) So uh, I don't know if giving that link out works better or what. But um, for now, uh, I'll I'll give. So our Facebook uh, group, which is growing every day, um, is just um, Facebook dot com forward slash Livid Comics. So Facebook dot com slash forward slash Livid Comics. We post a lot of stuff there um we have a youtube channel which we're starting to add more to we actually uh, did our first podcast last night um and so if you search livid comics on youtube you'll find us there so you can subscribe there um our twitter handle is um just it's it's uh, at livid comic so there's no s on the end of it uh so at livid comic and then our Instagram, I, Joel runs that, so I always butcher that. So I don't know if you have that handy, Joel. Yeah, I'll
3: hop in. It's uh, Livid underscore Comics is Instagram. So I'm primarily up on the Instagram stuff, doing my nonsense on there. So yeah, <laughs> you see me out the, there. That's the art. Uh, yep.
1: what site because I've, I've tried to go up there but i'm not an artist and so i'm like well do you have to take pictures and photographs and stuff like that that's not my strength so i, I put stuff out there when i have a new episode going oh, i'll put it up there but other than that I, I just don't so one last time here let's make sure people get it it's yule and that's spelled j o with the dot, double dots above it l issue one That's number one, too, by the way. And this project will fund on Wednesday, July 21st at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, They're past the goal, but, man, now's the time to jump on and really make things, you know, and really book and make this stuff happen. And a good Christmas story, I I just know there's a a big market out there because I'm in there for the, the Christmas stories for this. So, uh, Joel and John, you're doing wonderful stuff. I can't wait to see what else you've got coming down the pike here. And we'll have to talk again uh, when things come along. And they'll have to let me know how that uh, convention goes in September, because I'm, I'm interested in, in how cons are, are coming together, too. So I think that's great. So, uh, Livid Comics, I think we're going to hear a lot about you guys in the coming months ahead.
3: Yeah, hey, thanks a for having us back on here, Wayne. We really appreciate the opportunity to, <laughs> to share with you tonight and your listeners as well. So. Thank you to everybody in the community. Everybody's been great. You know, in the indie comic world, we can't say enough good things about everybody and our backers already and people that will back us. I mean, super humble and super grateful for everybody and everything that they've done so far. Absolutely.
1: that's it for this episode. Be back next time I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then keep reading your comics.